Hello, everyone. Hello. Happy Christmas Eve. Do I get to say that? Some people have a hard rule about that. We made it. It's Christmas Eve. I wonder how you spent your day today. Has anyone done any last-minute Christmas shopping today? Bought any last-minute presents? Wow, you braved the crowds. Well done. Has anybody wrapped some presents today? Yes. Has anyone peeled any vegetables in preparation for tomorrow? Strong work. Has anyone written an Excel spreadsheet with all of their timings for the Christmas lunch tomorrow? Robin Nelson, everyone. That is next level. Has anyone been refreshing their app to see if the parcel they ordered back in November is going to be delivered in time for Christmas? Just me. I think we should just give up hope on that one. Well, today um, is Christmas Eve, and it's kind of like the pinnacle of preparation for Christmas. Um, perhaps you were done with Christmas after you heard Mariah Carey sing for the thousandth time, or you forgot it was Christmas jumper day at school. That was me again. Um, or you got fed up of family members hassling you for Christmas present ideas. But today, we reached the pinnacle of our preparation for Christmas. Perhaps you've managed actually to safeguard some anticipation and excitement about tomorrow. I'm really pleased to be here tonight because it means I've got out of putting my four-year-old son to bed because he is overwhelmed with excitement and anticipation. I don't think bedtime's going to go particularly well. But Christmas is coming and we have a name in the church for this season of preparation for Christmas and we call it Advent and that's what this wreath here is all about. It's our Advent wreath and it's not about the present buying or the meal planning or the careful budgeting. It's about how we prepare our hearts and our minds and our souls for the arrival of God with us, Jesus Christ, born to the Virgin Mary a couple of millennia ago. Because Advent means coming in Latin. And you're supposed to feel the weight and the anticipated arrival of something you want so badly and align yourself with the people, how the people of Israel felt about Jesus, the Messiah coming. And that's the hope anyway. And today um, we've read about how an angel came to tell a teenage girl that she was to expect to give birth to the long-awaited Messiah. And in this first chapter of Luke that we've had both of our readings from today, um, he begins by telling us a sequence of four incidents that lead up to the birth of Jesus. Um, at the very beginning of um, that first chapter, he says, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the very beginning. So Luke, he was a doctor, he was scientific, and he chose in his account of um, the life and ministry of Jesus to start the story not from Jesus' birth, not from his baptism or even the start of his ministry, but from the sequence of four events that lead up to Jesus' birth. And they do an important part in setting that scene of the coming saviour and how it began with the miraculous. Because for Luke, the story begins at the point where after 400 years of silence, the voice of God was heard again by his people Israel with the announcement shortly before each was born of the coming Jesus and his forerunner John. So that first reading, that was Zechariah hearing about John. And the second reading was Mary hearing about Jesus. And here we find Mary at her home in Nazareth, visited by an angel and told that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, Jesus. And through Mary, we see this beautiful picture of what happens when the deep longings of both a people and an individual are fulfilled. Because the core longing of each person is to be loved. And that's what Christmas is. It's, it's the greatest love story. 
So a bit of context for you. So, so Israel had been suffering under oppression and injustice for generations, and they are longing to be healed, to be drawn back into the loving embrace of their God. And God had not only promised to heal them, but that he himself would come and be healer. The God of the universe stepped down from his heavenly throne to become a child, allowing perfect love to be embodied and to dwell among his people. And so when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary to tell her that she is about to become a mother to the Son of God, she understands that she is going to be carrying the fulfillment of the prophecies and the longings, both of the hearts of her people and of her own heart in her womb. So I don't know if you were here um, at Central a few weeks ago, but Zach was preaching and he had a box that he passed around that had chocolates in it. Was anyone here? Yes. And that was, you know, in that, that was like the gift that will change the life, your life, your children's life and your children's children's life. And it was passed around. It was that story for generations and generations. And the foretelling of this coming Messiah was told. So this is a moment of recognition on the part of Mary when the angel says, you are to give birth to the Messiah. She knows what that means. And this is um, why she says, she says, may your words to me be fulfilled. Okay, this was the fulfillment of the prophecies that she knew. She had heard these stories told by her people. She understood them and she knew them. And she recognizes that what is about to happen is miraculous. Okay, because Gabriel told her that her longings and the longings of her people are finally going to be fulfilled. And that's a pretty big deal. She didn't go, mm, okay then. She said, yep, I'm here, I am your servant. I don't know if you know that song, Mary Did You Know? Christmas song, yes, great. I'm gonna say great melody, epic harmonies, terrible lyrics, okay? Because it says, Mary, did you know that your son was gonna do all this stuff? She knew, she knew, she knew that stuff. Um, someone once said, a theologian once said, it's the most sexist Christmas song ever written. Can you believe that? But it's true. She knew. She knew that stuff. She'd heard the stories. She knew. She did know that her son was going to be the Messiah because she knew that that was what was going to happen. She knew that her son was going to be able to do miracles because that was foretold. And she knew those, those prophecies. And Advent... Um, is this longing and anticipation of Jesus coming. And at Aventine, we align ourselves with the people of Israel of how they expected and awaited Jesus' coming. But we know that expectations don't always match up to reality. I wonder, have you ever really longed for or anticipated something and it not quite match up with reality? I'm going to set a scene for you now. The year is 1997. I am 10 years old, which has given away my age. And all I want for Christmas is a Tamagotchi. Does anyone know what Tamagotchi is? Yes, you're showing your age. Okay, so a Tamagotchi, there it is. Okay, so it was this little electronic pet. And it was the toy of 1997. And it was all I wanted. So on my Christmas list, all I wrote was Tamagotchi. Um, we used to get, which I'm not really sure why my parents did this, because they kind of set us up for a fail, but they, they gave us the Argos catalogue and we got to circle anything on it that we wanted. We never got all of that stuff. I don't know why they did that. But anyway, all I circled that year was a Tamagotchi with big arrows pointed to it, like this is all I wanted. And you know that moment maybe on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day when you suddenly notice some more presents have appeared underneath the tree. 
and your parents haven't put them out yet because they don't want you to get overexcited and open them too early, but they got your name on it. And I saw this small box and I did that thing where I picked it up and I shook it. It sounded like a Tamagotchi. It was the right weight to be a Tamagotchi. And I was like, please, let us be a Tamagotchi. And I opened the present and it was a Tamagotchi. Yay, nailed it. Um, and so I pulled out the plastic tag and this, did anyone here actually have a Tamagotchi? Yes, yes, great, okay, great. You know what I'm talking about. And this egg appeared and it started to hatch and then um, it came alive. And what a Tamagotchi is, is that it's um, this little electronic creature that you have to keep alive, okay? You have to um, give it food, meet, meet its needs, discipline it, um, and you have to kind of do this stuff to keep it alive. That's the whole aim of it. Now, all of Christmas Day, I played with the Tamagotchi. All of Boxing Day, I played with it. And there was a slight flaw in the early editions of this toy because there was no pause or off button. So you had to tend to its needs all the time. So I was there kind of under the table trying to keep this thing alive. On the 27th, I was starting to get a little bit bored of trying to keep this toy alive. By the 28th, I had wrapped it up in a sheet in its box, shoved it under my bed, and tried to drown out the, the kind of electronic failure sounds because I just couldn't deal <laughs> with having to keep this toy alive. And the reality definitely did not match up to the expectation. And we know that's a thing, don't we? Expectation versus reality. Because so often, our, our, the reality doesn't match up to our expectations. Oh, yes, here we go. So we know it's a thing because it's a memes. There are memes. If you don't know what a meme is, ask your grandchild. So um, this is expectation versus reality. We've got the expectation of what a lovely snowman would look like. But the reality is a kind of like half muddy, half crumbled together um, snowman. Next slide. This is expectation of what it would look like to take a selfie on the Great Wall of China, matched with reality, where thousands of other people are trying to do the same thing. And I have my own one from yesterday. Yesterday, I decided to bake a gingerbread house with my four-year-old son. This was my expectation. And then this is what the reality was. Not quite the same, right? Didn't quite match up to what I thought it was going to be like. So when Mary joined the centuries-long tradition of her people, anticipating the Messiah and hearing the stories passed down, I don't think she expected that it was going to be her. Sometimes I think we forget that Mary was a real-life person. She must have been feeling so overwhelmed, not just with the physical and the emotional task of birthing a baby, but the societal shame of a virgin birth, you know, it was a long time ago, but everyone knew how you made babies and there was no such thing as a virgin birth. And she would have felt that societal shame and the enormous weight of responsibility, of not only just being a mother, but being a mother to the savior of the world. And in that moment, when Mary says yes to God, when she says, may your words to me be fulfilled, she must have wrestled with some disappointment because her life wasn't panning out the way that she hoped or expected. The reality was different to what she was expecting. She was probably at that time dreaming of getting married to Joseph, and suddenly all of that came crashing down. And I think we've all experienced what that is in the last couple of years to have all of our hopes and our dreams come crashing down. Even today, I'm just reminded of two years ago when we had planned to drive down to England to see our family, having not seen them all year, and we were suddenly told that we couldn't do that. I don't know about you, but I kind of hope that this year would be different, that 2022 might be a bit different after the disappointment of 2020 and 2021. Maybe we set it up for a fall, but we had so much hope around this year. Maybe this would be the year that things went back to normal, whatever normal is. You know, we, maybe we hoped that COVID-19 would be gone. Maybe we had hoped that our finances would be easier. 
Maybe we had hoped that the war in Ukraine would be finished by now. Maybe we would have hoped that England would have won the World Cup. I didn't hope that. But maybe we would hope for a new job or a new spouse or some kind of change in some kind of um, situation. And so often, um, a longing, we have that phrase, don't we, where we say we dare to hope. Because we know that some, sometimes it just turns to disappointment. And what I want to say to you this evening is, what well, if it's okay for you to be disappointed? What if it's okay for there to be disappointment? John Mark Comer says this quote, what if there's a secret gift in disappointment? What if disappointment is an emotional signal from our body that our hope was set on the wrong object? What if disappointment comes with a gentle invitation from the spirit to recenter our hope, that inner orientation of our heart towards the future and our energy for the present onto God? That's not to detract from the disappointment that we feel, but allow ourselves to reorientate our hearts around our hope in Jesus. And that's what Mary did when she said, may your words to me be fulfilled. She carried those longings of her people and the longings of her own heart in a baby in her womb. And she responds in obedience. She calls herself the Lord's servant and in turn is invited to participate in the best love story ever told. And not because she was humanly qualified, but because she was faithful. So what if reality blows expectation out of the water? Eventually, Mary gets to stand in time as a witness. She would watch her little baby grow up to be Jesus, her Messiah, and live a perfect life, meet death on the cross, and rise from the dead, love conquering death, casting out all fear. So what would it look like for us this Christmas Eve to reorientate our longings, our hopes, and our dreams onto God, to recognize them as fulfilled in the person of Jesus, to hope in Jesus alone, in verse 37, it says, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. What if reality blows expectation out of the water? In a moment, we're going to take communion together, which might feel a bit odd to do on Christmas Eve to kind of leap into the Easter story, but we're doing it because it's an act of remembrance in the midst of this Christmas story because we are choosing to say yes to God again, just like Mary did. We are remembering our sin and reminding ourselves of our need for God's grace, given in the gift of Jesus, the prophecies being fulfilled, the words becoming flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Just before we finish, I want to read a verse from one of my favorite carols, and it's my prayer that tonight we do receive Christ again. How silently... How silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. Amen.